Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that which God has saved us unto and what we can expect from the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when I just got into the message of grace, I was just so happy that the focus is not anymore on the things that I do wrong. Uh, but I've come to realize that the gospel is not about God not being angry, but it's about God manifesting his life in this earth wherein he is the father and he's got children and his children shares in his life. I've also come to realize that God is basically looking for a bride for his son so that the life of heaven can multiply in the children. That is what it's all about. It's about heaven coming to earth, God sharing his life with us. And that is absolutely found in the foundation of a God that is eternal, loving, living towards us and sharing his life with us, where the focus is definitely not on, uh, you know, the good that we must do to qualify before him or any of those kind of things. The focus is on a loving God that shares his life with us, wherein we can feel what it feels like to share in his life and so live forever. Uh, It is amazing if we think of this world and we think of the governments of this world and what this world looks like. Imagine that could be filled with people that is flooded with the fullness of God. Just imagine that. I mean, we don't know how it will look in the resurrection, how things will exactly be. But we know, and this is what the scripture teaches, is that it will be on earth, it will be in the earth, and we will find the fullness of God manifesting in people. Now, I can imagine if we just think of normal life now, uh, we have thought of heaven in the perspective, in, in the in the paradigm of it being clouds, you know, where you sit on a cloud and play a harp. Now, that is not the gospel. I don't think that was God's plan, you know, that there will just be, um, you know, uh, uh, a heaven with clouds where people sing all day. No, I was think I think that God made an earth. He placed Adam and Eve on the earth, and we get an idea of what he wanted uh, in creating a man from the dust of the earth and bringing forth life in that man when we see the resurrected Jesus Christ. We also see that he will return to the earth and that we will find that this kingdom of heaven united with earth will manifest in this earth where we will find people that is just exactly like Jesus where he is right now and wherein he showed his love and his kindness as he walked upon the earth. Imagine Jesus multiplied with one billion in people and those people living on the earth all together. It would be a wonderful place. It would be a place where there's kindness. It would be a place where there's love. It would be a place where there's absolute health. It would be a place where people don't harm each other, where the good that we experience, the joy, the life that we have between one another would be there all the time. And that is what God has in mind. And the beautiful thing that is done is he, through his spirit, has entered into our darkness and he now makes his life available for us even while we are in mortal flesh, where we can tap into a different source of life and experience his life. We are not having our own ability anymore as the source unto that life, but we can now find that the spirit of God is the source of that life. Now. Um, last time I ran a poll on uh, the live stream and I saw, I think it was 18% on 
of the people in our fellowship that watched it. It wasn't this group of people, it's a different group of people that watched the afternoon uh, message because this very same message is uh, restreamed this very afternoon. And uh, 18% of the people, sometimes it was running a bit lower, sometimes a bit higher, said that they are scared or they kind of feel uncomfortable when a person speak about the fruit of the Spirit. Because the feeling is, well, what if I fail? And the whole idea of I can fail makes you a bit scared and a bit ashamed and you don't want to talk about it. But today we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the life that God has for us. Um, and it might be uncomfortable, it's, and, but I, most of the people weren't uncomfortable, so I think it, uh, we're going to be completely okay. I love it when God talked to me about what he's done for me. And when I see what he's done for me, it's not just uh, pie in the sky, but it's steak on the plate. It's something real, something that I can experience now, something that's greater than the things of this world, something that sets me free from, from uh, the hooks that the world has on us where I can fully live, fully uh, love, and be who God has made me to be. Now, uh, we, what we're going to talk about, uh, like I said, might be a bit sensitive, is sometimes something like talking about sex. You know, when you've got to talk about that, it sometimes is uncomfortable. I remember when I was a kid, uh, there were uh, s- some people in our family there that wasn't married, and we would... I would say to my mom, and I was a kid, and then this lady never had a husband, and um, she, I think, I think she married when I was already in my thirties. She got married, but uh, I asked my mom, "So why is Auntie so and so not married?" And I would say it loud, <laughs> and then my mom would give me the evil eye, you know. Or I would ask somebody when they came and and fellowship and say, "So why don't you have children?" You know, but I mean, maybe the people couldn't have children. And then I would get it, you know, once the people is left, my mom and dad would be uh, on my case about that. Uh, because that is things that's private. If people cannot have children, to a certain degree, it is, you know, we cannot bear fruit. You know, what is going on? We don't know what's going on. You know, uh, the guy could be impotent. The other, uh, the, the lady could maybe not have children. Maybe they're not even sleeping in the same bed. We don't know what's going on. So it's a very sensitive thing when it comes to, uh, sex and so, so we don't want to talk about that sometimes. It's a sensitive topic. And I think when it comes to fruit bearing in the gospel, it might be the same. But here we go. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial, Paul says. So this is now Paul talking to the church in Corinth. This church was a very arrogant church. They were intelligent people. Uh, you can, when you read this, you can find that there was some intellect there. You can find that there was some pride there. Uh, you know, they were a mixture of Jewish believers as well as people that were uh, heathen, that were used to orgies and uh, immorality and those kind of things, and they became Christians. And some of these people came into the Christian meetings and they were just saying, oh, well, you know, we were going to this temple and there we had an orgy and there we go to that temple, we sacrifice to idols there and now we just come to the church and uh, we just have fellowship here and because we have fellowship with the church here, we've just now mixed all these things in together 
And now we're okay. We've got the Christian God as well. That kind of an attitude. And I think there were some people that were just in the flesh. Uh, You know, in the flesh meaning not knowing who they are in Christ, not knowing what the gospel is truly about. It says here, um, so they, they went around and they said, I have the right to do anything you say. And then Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. And this is a very good thing to know. Um, if we have the right to do anything, the question is not, do we have the right to do it? The question is, what benefit does that add to my life? What benefit does that add to my life? And uh, we can talk about, let's say, giving, for instance. Uh, And please, uh, you know me very well. I'm not saying giving because I'm hinting for money or any of those kind of things. Uh, That is not the case at all. I'm using it as a real-life example because it's something that is just relevant. We can say, well, you know, I'm under the grace of God. I don't have to help somebody when he's in need. I don't have to do it. I'm not under the law anymore. I don't have to do it. But what benefit is there for the other person and for you in making use of that right to say, well, I don't have to because I'm not under the law. How is that beneficial? How does that benefit you? And how does that benefit the other person? And how does that, using it that way, bring you to a place where you share in the life of God? It is not beneficial. It says, says here, uh, Paul himself now answering them and say, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So Paul says, I've got the right to do anything, but I am not having anything having lordship over me. I'm not going to be controlled by anything. For I am under, and we're going to read this in Romans chapter 6, I'm under the control and the rule of righteousness. As what I was under the rule and the control of uh, sin in the flesh, I'm now under the rule and the control of righteousness, where I am not scared, where I can live the life that God has given me. You know, I've listened to some uh, philosopher. He said it this way. He says, the reason why people many times, and I agree with him, uh, the, the reason why people don't live a, a, a Christian fruitful life is many times fear of death. You're, gonna f- be, you're afraid you're going to die. You're afraid you're going to die. It's like, okay, if I'm kind, if I decide I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to, let's say you live in South Africa, I'm going out to the squatter area and I'm going to dish food out there, uh, the fear of death can stop you from doing something because you're afraid you're not going to have and you're afraid that they might kill you. And you're afraid that it's cold and uncomfortable and all those kind of things. But when fear is not there, the fear of death is gone because you know you possess eternal life. That means I know that even if I die, I'll be raised from the dead. I know that even if I give some of my food to those people, I'm I've got a God that promised that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I will always have. Once fears is done away with in your union with God in Christ, you will find a life born in you wherein you can truly live who you are. And that is what he is saying. So Paul says, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm not going to be mastered by the government. No. 
If I want to preach the gospel, I preach the gospel. They say to me, you cannot preach the gospel. I will not do what they say. I'll do what God says. And I will do what the Lord puts in my heart. No person is going to say no. We, we have God that has said yes. And that is what is in our hearts, and we continue with that. Glory to God. Um, if, it's, if, if, it is, if, it's, if I'm told, listen, man, you cannot do this and this and this with your money because that's irresponsible because you're not going to have and this and that. But I feel in my heart to do something in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be stopped. I've got eternal life. I cannot die. I will live forever. That is it. That's the kind of being I am. And even if I die, death cannot keep me down. I like that song. No grave uh, is going to keep me down. I'll be raised from the dead. That's the kind of life we have. And I think as the church, we can take this truth and, uh, and see it and appropriate it in everyday life and ask ourselves the question, how does this life look in everyday life? Paul says, I can do all things, but I shall not be mastered by anything. They say, this is the Corinthian church, food is for the stomach and stomach is for food and God will destroy both of them. So they had this, this attitude. Listen, man, the body is going to be destroyed anyway and the earth is going to burn up anyway. So uh, we eat and we party and we enjoy our life because this food this food that we have, this meat and food that we have is for our physical body and this body is for food. So uh, let it enjoy one another and this is going to be destroyed anyway. So we don't really care about that. Uh, that's what's going to happen in the end. There's going to be destruction of this mortal body. There's going to be destruction of this planet. You know, that's, that's what, that was the attitude by which they're living. And if you read on, Nilena and I, we studied this passage out. It talks about these people, and this is not appropriate to us now, but just for interest's sake, um, they would then eat this food, drink the wine, and do this in a party setup with different belief groups. And there would be sexual immorality and all those kind of things going with this food and the body and whatever. So they didn't see the body as that important. But listen to what Paul says. He says, the body, however is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. And that is where we're going to stand still, at the Lord is for the body. We're going to link it to Romans chapter 6, and um, we're going to, yeah, and, and to some other passages there. So, what he says here, and we have had this in church many times, don't smoke a cigarette because your body is the temple of the Lord. You know, don't, don't eat, don't drink Coca-Cola because your body is the temple of the Lord and need to care for the temple. We've had this massive focus that our body is for the Lord and that our body is holy and that our body is a temple of God. And that was used many times to enforce legalism and enforce fear and to bring down laws and basically the preaching of a certain culture which people want. That the body, you know, and, and people would even, I've seen people come to churches. I mean, I've been in church many times and then they want a new diet. And then when the person comes and preach on health, then they'll use the scripture. And then they will say, you know, drink this shake or drink, eat th this fruit or you should only eat organic uh, uh, fruit or this or that or whatever. Um, and organic foods as close to nature as possible. And that is now then preached as the will of God. 
kind of put on people because you're the temple of the Lord and you need, need to take up responsibility. Now, the context here is sexual immorality, where, where they basically took the body of the Lord. Imagine this. You are one body with Jesus, and this is the context here, and we are the body of the Lord, and here the Lord, we are part of Jesus himself, and then you take this body and you make it one with the prostitute. It's like forcing Jesus to sleep with a prostitute. That's kind of the, the idea that Paul is bringing here, the shame that he's, he's uh, showing forth here and the illogical way of living, which I'm not focusing on. This is, this is not the focus. Here's the focus. He says, the body is for the Lord. But listen to this. He says, and the Lord for the body. So our body is for the Lord, but the Lord is for the body. They said, no, the body is for food and food for the body. Paul says, no, this body is for the Lord. This body, God made a body from the dust of the earth. He formed a bride for his son. He's using marriage here. He's using oneness of flesh here. This body, this body we have is for the Lord. So God was in heaven and he said, here is the angel of the Lord. Here is the word of God. And I am from the dust of the earth going to create and bring forth a bride for my son. So this bride from the dust of the earth that was brought forth and that is mortal. She's, she's still mortal. She's from the dust of the earth. The, what I want to do is I want to marry heaven and earth. And the way I'll marry them is through my son. Jesus the Christ, who, who has always been, and he will unite him with her. And as he unite him with her, she will become immortal and eternal as what God is. That is his plan. So he made us from the dust of the earth with that purpose. We can read it in Ephesians chapter 1. Glory to God. I tell you, man, the word of God, this message of the gospel can consume you. It can start to form your, your every thought. And that is beautiful. Hallelujah. It says here, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, um, with the heaven, excuse me, has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, if you read on, here we, if, if you just, just read the whole thing, he's, he's predestined us, he's predetermined that we will be adopted as sons that we will have this eternal life. So we find that Jesus Christ is, or th that we, our bodies, are formed for the Lord so that he can have a bride. That's why we are there. We have been made for the purpose to be unified with Jesus Christ with the word of God, the word of eternal life. That's why we are there. But then it says, as what the body, 
this person that was formed from the dust of the earth is for the Lord. The Lord, and when he refers to Lord there, he refers to the resurrected Jesus Christ, is there for the body. Now, just something interesting. If you look at heaven and earth mulgamating, if you look at where heaven and earth comes together, what happens, you see life. We see it when God made man from the dust of the earth. He took dust. He made dust was just there of the earth, just earth, dust, the shape of a, form, of, of a human, but it wasn't alive. But when God blew the breath of life, which comes from heaven into the body, what happens when heaven and earth came together there? We find the human becoming alive. Now, that is a first step of the unification of heaven and earth. Then there is another step where we find that it is sealed forever in immortality where it can never die. The first step is there so that you are alive where you can exercise a choice if you want to be immortal forever in believing in the Lord. If you say yes to that in belief in the Lord, then you receive the Spirit of God. In other words, you're not living from the power of the dust of the earth anymore. You're now living from an eternal source, and you are sealed by that Spirit. And then that Spirit shall quicken your mortal flesh, and you'll find the full unification and the manifestation of God in you. This is, I want to tell you, some might say, but Beth, you're talking spiritual things here. Yes, we're talking eternal things here, and we're not talking just eternal things. We're talking eternal things inside the realities of us now, today. For there's a beautiful life that's born from these realities. Now, listen to this. We're reading again here. Verse uh, 13. You say, food is for the stomach and the stomach for the food. And God will destroy both of them. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Now listen to the next verse. And this is the whole thing explaining what it means, the Lord for the body. The Lord was brought forth in bodily form in, with a power over mortality, raised from the dead for the purpose of raising the bo our bodies from the dead. Our body was created from the dust of the earth for, for the Lord. And then the resurrected Jesus was brought forth or manifested for the body and the purpose is that this body can become eternal and that this body would not be subject to the mortality of this earth or what we would call the weakness of the flesh. That is what it is. And that's what verse 14 says. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. So can you see the reason for the Lord? The reason for the Lord is that we can be raised from the dead. That is what it is. So our body was made by God so that Jesus can have a bride. Jesus conquered physical death so that his eternal life that he is can be directed towards our mortal flesh so, so that heaven and earth can be married together 
as the Lord and us come together. And so we will find heaven bearing fruit in us where we share in the very life of God. Church, that is what this, this whole thing is about. When we have a life that knows it is eternal, when our mind is set in the eternal life that we have, we find immediately that the world has no, it's got nothing in us. The world cannot threaten us anymore. I want to encourage you, go and watch that movie, Paul the Apostle of Christ, or the Apostle of God. Paul the Apostle of Christ. Type it in, uh, I think it is for free on Vimeo, not in the highest quality, Paul the Apostle of Christ. Um, uh, Elena, I'm going to ask you if you put the link in there for the people in, in the Zoom there, and we will also put the link into the YouTube uh, video later on. Go and watch that, and you will behold one of the best, according to me, uh, portrayals of what a fulfilled life looks like what the life I'm talking about really looks like and to what extent it can be. It is just absolutely amazing. A life to be desired. Glory to God. Okay, so um, the, the, this is the life. God wants to share the life that is in him with us. Let us go now to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So the Lord is for the body. What that means is that Jesus is there to fix the shortcomings of our bodies. That's what it's there. That's why he's there for. He's for our body. We thought that Jesus is for our spirit. No, Jesus is not for your spirit. Jesus is for your body. Because we are humans, we have bodies. You cannot define who you are outside of your body. You can say, yes, I have soul, I've got a, a, a spirit, and I have body. But if you want to describe you, how are you ever going to describe yourself without your body? It is impossible. When you just think of you, you think of how you look. When you think of your mother, your father, your grandmother, uh, your child, you immediately think of the body. You, you cannot think of a person or even be a person, be a human without a body. So when God decided, I'm bringing forth a bride for myself, made up from the dust of the earth, he immediately said, since she's from the dust of the earth, she will need immortality. He then said, he promised a tree of life, which is Jesus, which will bring it and give it to her. Okay, now, Romans 6, with that in mind, should we live only from the power of ourselves and not see what God has given us in Christ, we will find that we are bound to sin. Now, um, we're making a bit of a jump in this message now, and the jump is to man that lives from the power of their flesh and how the Lord that is for the body solves this issue. It says, this is Romans 6. It says, do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, this is now verse 16, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God 
that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So what he's saying is, is, whosoever you obey or whatsoever you obey, his slave you are. But thank God that you have obeyed the right doctrine. And because you've obeyed the right doctrine, which is to simply believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ from where he will bear his fruit in you. When they've believed that, what happened to them? They started to see the fruit of God in their lives. It says, you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. What does it mean to be a slave of righteousness? It continues. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. So he says to these people, and he's writing to Jews here, most of them in Rome, they would definitely be Gentiles in this whole mix. But he would say to them, you were slaves of sin and death, but then you believe on Jesus. And as you believed on him, you became a slave of righteousness. I want to tell you, make yourself available as a slave of righteousness. What he's saying to them is continue to believe the gospel. That's what he's saying to them. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. In other words, when you did not believe in Jesus and you tried to seek justification by the law, where you stood in the power of your own flesh and you were not living, understanding the teaching of grace and the mercy of God, where God is the one that makes all things new, where God is the one that forbids sin and where you're not the one. It says, before you believed that, you were not under the control of righteousness. You were not ruled by righteousness. Now, I want to tell you that is a very, very powerful statement. He says, what benefit did you reap at that time from which things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. So he says, when you were under the law, this is the way I see it, when you were under the law, or in some cases here, when you were still serving heathen gods, you found that it brought forth the fruit of the flesh inside you. And how did that benefit you? It brought you drunkenness. It brought you sexual immorality. It brought fear. It brought, brought control, abuse, slavery. In today's terms, we can say drug addiction. It can, brought, it can bring a, a, a love for money. It can bring all those kind of things. And if you sit with a love, a, a true love for money, you are controlled by the economy. You are controlled by what the government says on what they're going to do and not going to do and all that. You've got fear born in your heart. All of a sudden, you're under the control. Of what benefit did you have from that? There's no benefit. It ends in divorce. It ends in your children not loving you. It ends in you. It, 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 there's no benefit in that. What benefit was there in having a life that's born? There was no benefit. He's, now listen to this. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the rule of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time? Nothing. 
those things resulted in death. Now listen to this. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's the benefit of believing that Jesus died and he rose again and that you are included and that he gives the Holy Spirit as a free gift to you? What's the benefit of that? You'll be set free from fear by the power of the resurrection, not your own power. That is the benefit. So we can see here that we, um, the benefit we reap, reaping is something we receive, leads to holiness. So holiness clearly here is not a demand. It's not what God demands. It is a benefit of believing that you have died with Christ and that you are made new with him, a benefit where you are say, when you are saying, I don't rely on my own ability to try and obey laws to qualify uh, in any form or fashion or where I'm trying to live the heavenly life by willpower. Um, if we say we do away with that, but we fully identify with the resurrected Jesus and that his spirit on us is the source of the brand new life in us, if we see that, we find the benefit of that is holiness. So what God is saying is, he's not saying you better be holy. No, he's saying there's no benefit in living in your own power, the power of the flesh. There's no benefit in that. The car, if you, if you put it this way, let's say you want to drive from here to Zambia in an old broken down Land Rover. There's no benefit in that. Nothing. There's no benefit. You're not going to make it. There's no benefit. You're going to just lose a lot of money. You might get to the South African border 600 Ks from here, stop three times, change the gearbox oil two times, and then uh, when you get there, change a head gasket. And I know. I, I know the examples because I've, I've, I've been to Zambia, I think, twice with a broken down Land Rover. It's, no, it's not fun. Now, it, there's no benefit in that. The only thing that you find is frustration. All of a sudden, you've got to resist swearing all day. Uh, you get upset. You feel unsafe. There's so many things. It's not beneficial. But what is the benefit? If you could, right here, get into a helicopter and fly to Zambia, and they drop you right there, and right there you have a very good, reliable vehicle that you can do the work of God with. What benefit is there in that? There's a lot of benefit. You'll be peaceful. You'll have a smile on your face. There's many things. I'm just using an a earth, earthly example. There's certain benefits. So there's no benefit in trying to have life by your own ability. The, the human willpower car all the time breaks down. So God says, let me bring in something that they don't have to use the flesh, the power of the flesh, their own abilities to attain unto my life. I will bring forth my spirit, the power that can conquer death and mortality. I'll pour that out on them and supernaturally 
as they believe and rely upon me and not the flesh, as they believe and trust the truth that I say about them in the resurrection, what they see in their union with me in Christ, as they believe upon that, the Spirit of God will bring forth life in them. And what benefit is there in that? The benefit is holiness. Holiness, that is what First Peter says. Now we started the service. Let me see that. Let me show that. If you say, um, you know, I've seen it in my own eyes. If you say, listen, man, I am a Christian and I can do whatever I want. I can watch porn. God is not going to judge me. I'm going to drink. God's not going to judge me. You know, I can do whatever I want. What benefit is there? There's no benefit in that. You're going to lose your wife and your children. That's what you're going to do. And then you're going to get married or, or, or live with someone else and then someone else and then someone else. Your life is going to be amazing. There's no benefit in that. But when you see yourself united with God in Christ and you see that I am truly one with him and you behold his life as your life, you say the life Jesus lived on the earth was a life of kindness and goodness and that must be truly what I'm united with. That is the kind of life that is my life. As that is true in your persuasion of Christ, you'll find the power of that spirit of Christ raise up a life like that in your life and you'll find you, you, are, you are kind to your wife, your children. You find you're not under the power of addiction of things. You're a free person, free to, to share in the life of God. And this is what the scripture says in First Peter. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we have a living hope through the resurrection from the dead. Second Peter says, and we've said it this morning, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us. He's come to set you free from depression. He's come to free, set you free from anxiety. Glory to God. If you struggle with depression, if you struggle with anxiety, man, take some time. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to hear your gospel. I want to spend some 30 minutes or an hour and I want to just hear your word. Get a get an app on your phone and listen to the word of God. Listen to what God says about you. In, in, envision the resurrected Jesus and your union with him. You are holy. You are set apart by him. Let the knowledge. And church, I want to say this. And, and, and we, because we are in an age of knowledge, we have got so much knowledge of our sicknesses. We've got so much knowledge of our diseases. We've got so much knowledge of economy and countries and, and this and that and whatever. But I don't want to sound like an old legalistic Pentecostal preacher, but my goodness, let us, if we, if we can spend one hour of time in knowing who we are in Christ compared for every five hours of time we spend in knowing and thinking of what pills we drink and, and, and what disease we have, you know, I'm sure things will start to go a bit better. Have one hour of listening to the message of grace. I would even listen to my own messages, man. And you feel lifted up. You feel you want to you wanna take something and go and give it to the poor. You want to do something. You want to preach the gospel. You feel the power of God as we meditate upon the word of God 
the truth of Jesus Christ, having fruit. So there's a benefit, there's great benefit. What is the benefit? The benefit, listen to this, it results, the benefit leads to holiness and it results in eternal life. (laughs) Hallelujah. So why do you feel alive when you hear your sins are forgiven? Why do you feel alive when when you um, hear that you are united with God in Christ? Why do you feel alive? It's because it is the eternal life of God that brings forth holiness in you. What will happen to you as you know who you are in Christ? You will find the following. Let me read it. And that is such a wonderful, blessed life. It's such a wonderful, blessed life. The other night I was walking down the street and I just saw people in the cold next to the road there and I just felt, let me just generously bless these people. And um, what a life to just do something for someone. What a blessing to, um, to, to, to get to a place where you're but out of what would be called the normal comfort zone, sharing in the life of God. It, I mean, you, you, it, you become very comfortable in, in, in feeling. I mean, I feel, I feel more and more as I study and know the goodness of God, the comfort of loving on people. That's what God has come to bring for us. We as the church, we are not a people that sit here in a corner waiting for the government to dictate to us how we'll feel next week. No, we are the body of the living Christ. We are under the rulership of heaven. We are under the power of the grace of God. We are the hands of God extended into this world. We can open our heart and say, God, if there is a place where you want to supply financially, do it to me because I've got a passion to live and help those around me in my town, right there where you are. And I know people are watching this. You're watching from Holland. People are watching from South Korea. People are watching from places in Africa. People are watching from South Africa. Later, people will watch this in the U.S., Europe, uh, uh, Asia, uh, all the nations in the world. Slot in and watch this. As you watch this, right there where you are, there's a place where you can say, God, I am the very place where heaven and earth touch. I am the very temple of God. The very presence of God is inside me. That is who I am. That's the reality about my life. And here I am, and I've got a love, a life that's flooded with the knowledge of how eternal I am, how endless I am, how endless the life is that you've given me, and I see people around me in lack and need of life. What will I do? I'm going to find the way where it is working for me right there and bring that life to people. That's it. Introduce them, connect them with this God. Hallelujah. Man, I wanted to read a verse. I forgot the verse now <laughs> that I wanted to read. Let's, let us read Titus. I, want, I wanted to read what it will bring forth, this eternal life in us. I'm going to go to rather go to Ephesians. Excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, 23. 
This is what this fruit of this spirit of life will be. It is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So I want to say to you, one might say, last night I watched a thing on, uh, um, it's a discussion around the table, it is Daystar Television. And they had this guy in there from the U.S. Man, I tell you, he got in there. I don't want to disgrace him. I don't even know what his name is. But he came and he talked about the food shortage and all those kind of things. I tell you, they were sitting there. Their eyes were big. All those ladies, they were so scared. Oh, my goodness. And the guy was just continuing, continuing. Then at the halfway, no, three quarters through the 30-minute session, he says, but now I want to bring some good, good news. And he could get that right for 10 seconds, literally 20 seconds. And then he went into the bad news again on how bad things are going to be in the world. Now everything's going to fall apart and all those kind of things. And, you know, how we must prepare and how food shortages and whatever. Let's say everything he says is true. The source of our life, church, is God. The source of our life is God. We have the almighty, eternal, undying God whose source is us. We as the church will be the place where the world that doesn't have come to, where we can help them in kindness share what we have with people. That's who we are. We are not dictated to by the world. We are not dictated to by food shortage. We're not dictated to by any of those things. No. We are under the rule of righteousness. When we were under the law, the Paul says, the bad that I didn't want to do, I did. Why? Because I was under the rule of the flesh. But we are not under that rule. We are under the rule of God. The one who said, who spoke, and the galaxies was formed. The one who spoke, and it was. The one who says, I am, which all also mean in the Hebrew, it says, I am and will continue to forever be. That's what it means in the Hebrew. He says, I am that I am has sent you. That's the one we have to do with. That I am, that uh, Yahweh is the one that uh, Peter and James and Paul connects to the angel of the Lord, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one whose body we are. He can never die, and we are his body. How, how can he die, and his, how can his body die? No, his body will live forever. We have eternal life. Therefore, we are not dictated to by this world. We are under the power of the Almighty God. And as we know that, we as the church, in great haste and uh, uh, expectation, and great hope we go and have this life give life to us and we love on others. Hallelujah.